Sports are such a big part of all of our lives, from the big plays to the unforgettable games. They continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors and heroes of our time, when the game is finally over and the sport they love and worked their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, all you beautiful people? My guest today is Brandon Coleman, aka B. Cole, aka known as now Soul Cole. We'll talk a little bit about that transition later in the episode, but I'm really excited you guys joined us. This conversation is incredible. Soul Cole is an amazing man, um, played in the NFL for four years, uh, some injuries later in his career ended up forcing him to walk away. Uh, we discuss the difficulties of the transition, but more importantly, we discuss the tools that we can use to not only help ourselves through big transitions in life, but also tools that can help not only our physical bodies, but our mental and emotional well-being as well. Um, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I got a lot out of it, and I know I'm going to be connected to my brother, my soul brother Cole for a long time coming. Brandon Coleman, what's up, brother? Thanks for coming on the show. What's going on, Joe? How you doing? I'm good, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, Let's go ahead and dive in and uh, and talk a little bit about uh, yourself, your background, your football career, kind of how you got um, your journey into football, and then obviously played in the NFL for a few years, and then talk about that journey, and then we'll dive into the process of transitioning out and what that looked like for you. Of course, man. So it started out for me playing football and basketball, pretty much um, coming up as a kid. I was heavily involved in a lot of sports. Um, by the time I got to high school, football um, and basketball were pretty much my dominant sports just because of my size. And uh, right around my sophomore year, going into my junior year in high school, I had already about 20 to 25 um, Division One scholarships to play um, football. So, you know, I made an executive decision um, that, you know, football was going to be uh, the thing that I did in college. You know, based off my, I was a realist. I'm like, okay, in basketball, my skill set is of, uh, I've been playing power forward and, and center, you know, this whole time. But my, my naturally, if if I was to go to the NBA at this height, I'm really the same size as a two or three guard, and that wasn't my skill set. I said, but if I'm six six on the football field, that's more Calvin Johnson. I, I like those odds better, you mm-hmm. know. So I went, I went. That was my whole reasoning behind that. Um, went on to Rutgers University. I played under uh, Greg Schiano for two years and then two years under Kyle Flood. Um, and from there, I had a, you know, I had a pretty decent career. 
Um, from there, I went undrafted um, as an undrafted free agent to the New Orleans Saints in 2014. And that was uh, that was pretty much the first time that I um, I bet on myself. I had a it was a unique situation when I thought I was going to get drafted somewhere between third and fifth round and end up um, sliding all the way down to um, to the priority free agent. So now I have a choice to choose from you know I guess uh, roughly ten to twelve teams that are trying to to contact me after the draft is over. I really wasn't prepared for that process. I was, um, I didn't know that, you know, how aggressive it could get and how um, time sensitive it was to, in order to make a decision that fast. Um, but I ended up choosing New Orleans um, for one, to get out of the cold. I've been playing up north for so long and I was, I really wanted to play uh, in a dome. I thought that the idea of playing in a dome was cool. Obviously, the opportunity to play with Drew Brees and um, I had a, a coach in college who coached Marcus Colston at Hofstra, and he um, he said that he would be a good example for me, um, you know, just from a professional standpoint on and off the field, you know, just how to carry myself. So, um, and then also they had the, the offense had the same um, playbook that I ran in college, just different names. So a lot of those different factors, um, carried into my decision to go to the um, to to try to try out for the New Orleans Saints. Um, I did not make the 53-man roster that first year. Ended up um, on the practice squad. I stayed on the practice squad the full year um, and gave myself a chance to uh, come back and next year and compete for the 53-man roster spot. That first draft class, I think we drafted six or seven guys, and then we brought in an, another um, nine as uh, practice squad players. So that was the 2014 class. And then um, fast forward the following year, I ended up making a 53-man roster, um, get a little bit of playing time, and, you know, start earning my keep. And mm-hmm. I started to get more comfortable with Drew and and being um, – and being consistent and, and and just starting to get more comfortable and, and understanding the game started to slow down at each level. The game had to slow down for me. I needed that developmental year as I did in college. I was also redshirted in college. So mentally, I was already prepared for the practice squad year because I went through it already um, in college. So that helped me a lot and um, helped, with the, helped with that transition into the next level uh, mentally and physically. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, if you don't mind me asking. Um, how was the, that journey and how did you deal with going from being projected to from a third mm-hmm. and fifth round pick into falling all the way to being a free agent? Because I don't think a lot of people hear those kind of stories usually and what yeah. kind of what that comes what comes up with that, you know, and like kind of feeling like you just, you know, a little bit betrayed or, or kind of like the rug oh, was ripped from under you. It was definitely an emotional. Uh, it was definitely an emotional part of the journey. Um, being, being, you know, told that you know, uh, all the agents are telling me, all the coaches are, are reaching out to me beforehand, saying, you know, trying to talk about trying to talk up a good game, and and even during the draft, you know, coaches can hit you up and text you and say, hey, we still got you on our board, and so it was just this whole. You know, they really were tugging with my emotions the whole time. And I'm surrounded by family. Nothing real big. I didn't have like a, 
a huge draft party, just something, you know, with, you know, with my family at the house, close friends. And I do remember being out at dinner on the last day, surrounded with family, just expecting, okay, all right, this is got to get that call today. So I want to, you know, be in a place where I'm at dinner, I'm at the head of the table for one of the first times I'm at the head of the table um, around family, but ended up not getting a call, ended up leaving dinner, going home and realizing like, man, that this is really starting to sink in, that all I wanted was to see my name go across the screen. All I wanted was, because, you know, as a kid, you, that's what you think. Um, and so when that didn't happen, it, uh, you know, I felt, I felt like I let myself down. I let my family down, let my my community down, my school. I just felt like I let everybody down because that moment didn't happen. And it was, um, I mean, as the pressure that I put on myself, it was, I felt like it was expected. And I felt like I dropped the ball for some reason because uh, whatever, whatever reason that, you know, it didn't happen. But it wasn't until later on that I understood the business um, behind the decision um, to not, you know, draft me because it was a, because it was a red flag on me from health. Um, I did have a knee surgery in college, but, you know, I passed all, you know, I still ran a four, five, six at the combine. I was still running my routes fluid. And, you know, so, you know, it wasn't like it was any character issues or anything like that. You know, my, my tape did speak um, for itself. So, I put out a good resume and that was really the only red flag was um, the surgery I had on my knee. Now, keep in mind that that was a um, a deep draft class for receivers. That was, um, mm. you know, that was uh, Brandon Cooks, who's also went to the Saints. That was Odell. That was uh, Jarvis. That was uh, Mike Evans. That was Kelvin Benjamin. That was a deep uh, Jordan Matthews, Dante, uh, Moncrief. Um, that was a deep Damn, a lot of good class. Players. Yeah, yeah, that was a deep class um, for receivers. So, you know, I, I really, I really took the back burner on that. But, you know, when it, you know, I, I definitely broke down in tears. Um, it was one of those situations where, man, I just felt like I, I, I let everybody down. I felt disappointed. But, you know, had to make that decision within a couple hours, um, maybe less than that, to to go to New Orleans. So, you know, yeah, it's a lot to deal with, right? Going from feeling that and then having all these other teams wanting to, wanting to buy for you. Yeah. It was so wild. But I didn't, like I said, the business side of it was, man, I didn't know that it benefits them to get, uh, they all knew what type of caliber of player I was and the potential that I had, but it benefited them to get me, you know, um, for the low um, yeah. as an undrafted free agent. And, and it's, it's low risk for them. You know, and, you know, and it made sense. That's why so many teams were biting at the chump afterwards because they knew, like, all right, man, I can only get them, I can get them now for just $5,000 on a signing bonus. That's, mm. that's pennies on a dollars compared to what we would have did if we would have got them in the fifth round. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, that the business side of it, and especially when you kind of get labeled like that and a lot of teams know you're going to drop, it kind of, and you're you're the mm-hmm. player with the life, with all the, you know, your family's watching you and, and all of a sudden you fall and it's, it's like a known thing. And then they know that they can get you for cheap. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's really wild. Talk about your journey that first year on um, the practice squad and kind of not making the team and then having to go through that journey. Cause I don't think a lot of people on the outside understand what a life of a practice squad player is like. I mean, you're getting paid, paid 20% mm-hmm. of what a normal player is getting paid. It's, it's, you know, just like, yeah. you know, normal was, living wages. 
it was interesting. Um, but like I said, I was prepared mentally for it. Um, I put up, um, I did a good job in camp, but I obviously did not a good enough to, um, to crack the 53 man roster. And I remember Sean Payton called me into his office doing last cuts. And he said, Hey, listen, you know, we, we want to, we like you, we want to continue to develop you. So, you know, we're going to bring you back on the practice squad and, and allow you to, you know, to, to grow in the system. You know, we got a plan. So I said, all right, cool. I cleared waivers. I came back. So my mindset was, you've been here before. You've, 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 you've traveled this road before. So attack, you got the mindset you need to attack this, stay disciplined. Um, it was a few things that, that, I realized quick that, you know, that the, the check was different on game weeks. You know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't hanging around. I could hang out with them, but I wasn't partying with them every weekend. Like, you know, that like the starting running back or the starting receiver like that, that check was different. So I, I was very frugal coming into the league anyways. I kept my, um, my Burgundy Ford Taurus of 2004. I kept that the first two years. Um, down in New Orleans just because I, mean, I, I was impressed. You know, it was getting me from point A to point B. And, you know, it just kept me humble. And so I, I knew that, you know, what lane I was able to, to stay in and I wasn't um, I wasn't uh, easily influenced to go out and spend things that I didn't have because trying to keep up with this, um, this image um, that I am in the NFL. So, you know, that was a long season. You know, you know, some some games you didn't travel. Um, some games the practice squad didn't travel. And so you had to watch just like in college. Like I, I remember it was crazy in college. I, I had three freshman roommates and they all were true freshmen. I was the only redshirt freshman. So when they traveled, I was the only one staying at the at the apartment watching them play on TV. And so it was the same situation that I, I've been through where, you know, the guys go travel, say they go to Seattle, I'm still in New Orleans, and I got to watch. But I practice all week, and it was like I got the weekend free pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't, just don't get in trouble and don't don't let ha- anything happen. You got to be on the news, and because that's really, and you're really not going to have no chance. So mm-hmm. it was an opportunity for me to just, you know, explore the city, um, get some good food and, and, you know, but I was still working throughout the week and that practice squad, yeah, you, you got to do everything. You got to do all the special teams, scout looks. And sometimes if you got to give scout defense looks, I was playing safety sometimes on scout defense is because we, you know, the numbers were low due to injuries late in the season. We still got to get bodies out there, mm-hmm. you know, so I, they, and I put a lot of mileage on my legs that first year for sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, they they, they have this vision and, and image that every NFL player is making a ton of money. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many guys. I mean, the bottom, definitely the bottom half of the roster, especially practice squad guys, just aren't making that life-changing money. It's usually the guys you hear about on ESPN and all that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, let's let's jump forward a little bit um, through, through the rest of your career and kind of towards the end of it and, and kind of how you, you know, the reasons you ended up walking away from the game, what that kind of process was like, what that story was like, how many years you played. And, you know, I want to get into, uh, into how you handled the, the transition and, you know, adding value in that way and kind of, you know, what, what, went, what you went, what went through your mind during that time? Yeah. So I finished with um, four years on record and the, the following, the, my last year was probably, um, 
my last year was the year of the Minnesota miracle um, in the playoffs when um, they had that walk-off touchdown in the playoffs. So that was actually my last um, game, and I didn't even suit up for that game. But that full season um, was 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 probably my best season because the three years before that we were seven and nine, no playoffs. Seven and nine, no playoffs. Seven and nine, no playoffs. We finally get over that hump and we go on a run that year. And I'm um, I didn't realize how critical my role was in that season. Um, you know, as you know, just playing that just playing that role, whether it was just blocking and getting. Um, Kamara and Ingram to the second level to go ahead and open it up for the passing game. That was very critical and making certain catches in certain situations to put us in that position to go on that run. And during that time, I've, uh, I was experiencing a little bit of uh, uh, pain and like nerve, nerve pain. And I really, you know, we've all played football long enough to where you get stingers sometimes. And when you just feel like, man, you got to shake that off and, you know, you really can't tell the, the training staff everything, in, in, especially in a position like myself where if you, you know, if I, my job's not secure, I'm on a one-year contract every year pretty much, you know. So if, I, if I'm if i not on the field, then that's really the next man up. There's no – so I'm pushing through that, pushing through that. But at the same time, I'm realizing that this is just more than a stinger. And and it it became real serious to the, to the point where I couldn't feel um, – I couldn't feel uh, from my neck all the way down to my three fingers on my right hand, my thumb, my index, and my middle finger, and so that was that was beginning to be a problem. Even if I didn't get hit, and so towards the end of the season, you would see you know me start to fumble the ball a lot during the games, and that was actually a problem. And I've never had a fumbling problem before, and it was just. Um, you know, I was putting the team at risk, especially as we were heading into the playoffs. Um, I kept trying to get, you know, some shots, um, take some pills and and do that to try to push through it. But it was just, um, it wasn't fixing the problem. It was just numbing it for a little bit just to get back out there. So I ended up having to uh, make the decision to stop and got looked at and went to go get surgery right after that season, right after that game, actually, when I got surgery on my neck. And um, I did a surgery on my hip as well at the same, like, so a month after. So, I like, January, what was that? January 2018, um, got the hips, got the neck surgery, and then February and got the following surgery. So, back-to-back months, I'm I'm out. But I'm trying to make a comeback, though, um, that, that, that whole season. The Saints, they they cut me and then they bring me back on April for another year contract. Um, so now I'm, I'm rehabbing, rehabbing, rehabbing my neck, rehabbing my hip. And then, you know, if your hip is messed up, your knee probably going to mess up too. So my knee during that time uh, was causing me issues. So I'm trying to rehab three things and, and, make, and make this 53-man roster that same season. It was a long road to recovery. And during that time, I'm just thinking mentally, man, like, all right, this, you're going to have to start to get, you've already started to put yourself in that position where, you know, you knew that this day would come one day and you've always wanted to walk away on your own terms. And, you know, you always knew that life was more than football, that this was just a platform. This was just, 
you know, this wasn't the final destination. So uh, those thoughts started happening in, in that summer before training camp. And I do remember me, uh, you know, getting getting heavy into watching Shark Tank, getting heavy into into watching, um, you know, different things and reading different things now, writing all my different um, ideas of what I want to do, you know, next, um, just in preparation for it. So training camp came, ended up not passing the physical, and, you know, they, they released me again, but, you know, they allowed me to rehab down in New Orleans, you know, to see if that, you know, at some point, maybe midway through the season, I could try to make a comeback or, so that was my thing. I was like, all right, you're going to give it everything you got. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least you gave it everything you got. You, you can walk away with your head held high and you can be at peace with the situation because you know you you gave it everything you had. Um, and I did that. Um, I gave myself the best chance that I could, put myself in the best position. It didn't end up the way you know I would have liked, but it ended up the way that it should have. And I was at peace with it. And, you know, I realized that, okay, I had, you need three years and three games to be vested. I had four. I said, okay, let's just bet on yourself again. We, you know, we're going to figure this out. Take the time that you need to heal physically, mentally, um, emotionally, in all areas. Take the time that you need to heal, bet on yourself, and let's go figure this, um, this, next, this next part of your, your life out. All right, guys, sorry about this, but we had to take a pause. For some reason, during the recording between the 19-minute mark and the 35-minute mark, my audio uh, was basically unsalvageable. Um, it was really compromised for whatever reason. And trying to figure out how to make this podcast work, decided to uh, transcribe it and reread it so that you guys could still listen to it because... Uh, what Brandon says uh, on the podcast is really powerful and impactful. And luckily, it's mostly about him and mostly him talking. But if it does seem unnatural, it's because I'm rereading this conversation so that you guys don't have to go through the really bad audio. Uh, thanks for understanding. And you know, when it goes back to normal, I'll let you know. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy the podcast and just really focus on you know, the content that Brandon is sharing because it's really powerful and his story is really good. Here we go. Yeah, we have so very similar stories as far as seeing the end coming and starting to prepare and getting into this idea of entrepreneurship and creating a business. It really fascinated me, this idea of creating something out of nothing. And then my last couple of years, I started reading all these business books, watching every Shark Tank episode, thinking about what I can create. So talk about that moment when you finally knew it was over. What was that like? finally saying goodbye to athletics and the thing that you worked so hard to accomplish. And what was that journey like finally walking away? And then talk about your desire to get into entrepreneurship and how being a realist preparing for that helped you in that transition process as well. Yeah, of course. So the, for me leaving when I, when I realized that it was, that it was really done, um, it was an emotional, um, journey, you know, that I look back from the time that I started playing when I was six, playing flag football. And I realized, man, at that time it was, you know, at the time I was 26. So it was um, 20 years that I've, you know, been playing football. And I realized that, man, this is it. This is it. You you had a great run. Um, 
you, but your health is more important. Like the risk of going back and, um, and especially having a neck injury, I was all mentally, I just couldn't get over the fact that I would be putting myself at more of a risk, you know, um, since football is always described as a, as a car crash on the field. So, you know, just being, just having that mindset, like, man, you, you're going to be out there tiptoeing as you're putting yourself in more harm's way. There's no reason to do that. So I was, it was emotional, but I was at peace when I realized that, man, like your health, you have so much life ahead of you, more life ahead of you than you've already lived. And you want to be able to, you know, want to run around with your kids one day. You want to be able to run around, um, you know, when you're, when you're 50, you don't want to have to be stuck and can't move like some of our coaches that we know who played before us and, you know, who are still t- popping pain pills and things like that. So I said, no, nah, I don't want that lifestyle for myself, you know, if I'm, I'm not even 30 yet. So I want to be able to um, live on my own terms. And once I realized that, man, I was able to, you know, be at peace with it. And it was, uh, it was tough watching it you know, that first year afterwards, but, you know, it gets better over time, just like everything else. And then when I really made that decision to better myself as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I, I was patient with myself. It was, it was one of the toughest things that, I, you know, that I've done so far. But um, my journey has been this process of needing that developmental year. So me knowing that I was redshirted, me knowing that I was on a practice squad, i went into entrepreneurship knowing that I was going to need a developmental year um, to figure this out. I wasn't going to just jump into it and and get things rolling in just one year if this was going to be what I'm doing for the rest of, you know, um, for the rest of my life until something else comes about. So I was patient with myself on this journey and understanding what it is that I was passionate about. And, you know, like I said, I was inspired by Shark Tank and some other books that I was reading and then, you know, that um, articles that would come across, you know, my emails and things of that nature and just jumping out there into this whole networking thing. So me being an introvert, I'm like, man, I got to do, I got to do all this networking thing now that it's to go to these rooms and shake these hands and smile and do all this stuff. But that's just what I got to do. And I got to go soak up all this information and just to be able to learn the game. I just need to learn the same language that are, you know, that are being held in these different boardrooms the same way I learned the playbook when I got to New Orleans. And once I was able to do that and master that, I was able to crack the 53-man roster and I was able to take that to the next step. So I'm confident that I'm doing the same thing at this um, at this stage going into, uh, going into my second year. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that. For a lot of guys, they first get out of sports, especially after playing for so long, they feel like they need to be great at the next thing immediately, right? And realizing that there was so much time and process to becoming such good players, it didn't happen overnight, right? It took years and years. And I think it's kind of humbling to go into something new and pretty much having to start over. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of guys, especially as high-achieving individuals. So there's this patience. and There's this kind of time frame to learn and to connect to the entrepreneurial world. It's really all about approaching situations with an open mind and willing to learn. Talk more about your, where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey and what that was like when you started during the first year and making the connections and why you started this. 
Yeah, no, definitely. It was um, definitely it was a humbling experience. But like I've said, I've been um, I've been I've had my share of humbling experiences. So when this one came around, I was able to you know handle it with poise, handle it um, just like I would do anything, just like a two minute drill that we prepared for in practice all season, just for that one time to execute it in the game. So that's it's so much a carryover from the sport that we play to um to real life and and entrepreneurship that um you know we just have to uh, retrain these retrain these skills that we already have and so that's what I'm most excited about yeah one of the reasons I wanted to get into entrepreneurship was to create something and go on that journey because with football I feel like I kind of reached this sort of ceiling I was never going to be the highest paid player in the league or the top guy on the team even though that would have been pretty amazing. I just realized this feeling and what fascinated me about the idea of becoming an entrepreneur was that there is no ceiling. The only ceiling is the one we put on ourselves. So you have to work on a lot of self-limiting beliefs and there's just so much to learn. It's kind of a powerful thing. So do you have any advice for guys who are playing or just getting done and who want to get involved in entrepreneurship? And as far as starting, what advice do you have for them on that journey? Yeah, so the advice that I would give is, you know, first find something that you're passionate about, something that you really believe in, and and definitely start with um, your why, understanding your why that you're doing whatever it is you're doing. We Most of us knew why we were playing football. We all had a why for that. So that needs to be the same root, um, you know, as your foundation as you go into this um, next stage of entrepreneurship and, you know, and just research, man. Put yourself in a position where, you know, you you're around others who are in that space, and you can soak up information. And then, as you're doing that, find ways that you can naturally add value um, to those situations to continue to um, challenge yourself, to continue to push yourself in that area as well. And don't be discouraged, man. Just like anything, it, it just because it's new, just because it's uncomfortable, push through that. Push through that uncomfortable. Um, feeling just to to get you to that other side, and it's going to feel much better when you're over there too. Mm. You said something earlier that is really about how you kept asking yourself how you can give value to the world. You know, how can I be of service? And you can be of service and have something to provide. Then it all kind of falls into place in a little bit of an easier way, rather than just trying to figure out how you can make money. So, what is it that you're working on now? What is the thing you feel passionate about, and how do you find it? Because, you know, I traveled for a couple of years. I took some time off after playing football for so long. And then I got to this point where I was questioning, okay, like what is it that I want to create? What is the purpose that I have in this world? And where could I add value in the entrepreneurial world as well? So what was that journey like finding that thing? And what was the process of what you were wanting to create? Yeah, so one of the first things that I I came up with was... Um, one of the things that I'm passionate about, no question, is toothpicks. That's a part of my personal brand. Everywhere I go, everywhere everywhere I am, you'll see me with a toothpick. And that's been the case for about 10 years now. That started back when I was in college, probably as a sophomore. And, you know, ever since then, every day, like I would, I would have a toothpick in, um, in class or just leaving, uh, just leaving the dining hall or I'm just riding around. It was just a thing. And so once I realized that that was, you know, what people were looking, you know, 
associating a toothpick and me at the same time. I'm like, man, I got to give the people what they want. And so it was just like, all right, this, this can be your thing. And then when I realized it clicked for me when I was rehabbing um, from all those surgeries and I didn't want to go to the pain pills and, and, and go down that route, you know, I was just turned to, I was introduced to doing research more so on CBD and hemp and, and figuring out the health benefits and the holistic benefits um, of that. And then I, and then it clicked and I was doing more research and I was looking up products and, and I found uh, CBD toothpicks. I was like, whoa, wait a second, that this is a thing? This is actually on the market? But I realized in more research and I'm like, man, you're the only one that really knows about this right now because this is just the lane that you're in. Nobody really knows that this product is on the market. So I collab with this company, Can Be Done, and we put, you know, the we brought the toothpicks, you know, to the market and I wanted to put it on my platform because it naturally flowed with my brand. And it was, you know, it's it's something that's real cool for me. It's just a passion. Um, it's a passion thing. And and it's, you know, we got multiple flavors right now. We got blue rasp, which is a hit. We got cinnamon roll, we got berry blast and strawberry lime. So it puts a little flavor with the C B D. It's a little mild of uh, 25 milligrams and it's real uh, subtle. You're not going to look at somebody and assume that that's a CBD toothpick. You just chill it in the cut. And that's what I'm all about. Yeah, and it's beautiful, man. I love that. Yeah, it's real chill. <laughs> What's the name of that company and where can people find that? Yeah, so the name of the company is Can Be Done. Can Be Done. It's easy. CBD is easy to remember that. And um, on Instagram, it's... Um, it's, can, it's at can be done uh, CBD underscore CBD. And then it's canbedone.com. You can find um, our other products. We have um, um, we have a CBD roll-ons and we also have the CBD uh, tinctures. You know, so we'll, we'll definitely be coming out with some more products here in the future. But um, definitely go get those toothpicks. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Good for you. Um, yeah, so the reason you kind of got involved in that is because of the health and wellness aspect. You know, a lot of people, especially football players, deal with a lot of pain. I know I deal with a lot of pain mm. on a regular basis. So what are some of the things that you've done to take care of your body and to handle all of those surgeries and all those beatings from the years of football? Man, uh, it definitely took a lot of time. Just just time resting. Um, rest, I think, was the most important thing. I think for, I think for probably like five or six months after I was you know, done playing and I came back home. I didn't work out. I just let my body just rest. I said, bro, you've been working out for 20 years. It feels like, you know, sometimes the best thing you need to do for your body is to just allow it to rest and heal naturally, you know, give it, allow your body to have that time and, and, and take and be intentional with that time. Don't just be sitting on the couch the whole time, but be intentional whether, you know, you're doing something, um, you know, putting yourself in a position where, so I picked up a few things. Um, I picked up a few things of yoga and I just started, you know, letting my body naturally flow and heal, you know, and, and move um, how it's supposed to move. I was so, um, being, you know, training for football, you, 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 you train yourself and you, you get stuck in, in just one motion and, you know, pushing a certain way and not allowing your body to have this full range of motion um, because we just weren't training that way, you know, from since we were brought up. So I had to kind of unlearn and, and rewire all my muscles and 
And now I've, I've had a new level of uh, flexibility that I'm like, man, if I had this when I was playing, it could have been a lot different. Um, hmm, yeah, I always wish I started yoga way earlier. Way earlier. I just didn't have the awareness. I didn't have the patience um, to 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 do both at the same time. So, um, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot mentally. You know, I was frustrated with myself just because starting, I was like, man, I'm so tight or I, I can't move. And I was just frustrated. But the thing that, you know, that's helped me the most with that is um, breathing. Mm. You know, I was I was trying to do all this stretching, but I wasn't breathing. So I wasn't allowing my muscles to, you know, to give and flow how they were supposed to because I was holding my breath. So something as little as that had the biggest impact. And in the breathing transition into me, you know, um, practicing meditation, which I'm doing on a daily basis right now. And I've started that journey. Uh, I started that journey in the same year, 2018, uh, because I, I saw an interview that J. Cole did. Um, and he was talking about how he uses meditation to help him before he goes on the shows and things like that. And I'm a fan of J. Cole. So I said, all right, let me check this out and, and, and try it out. But it wasn't, I wasn't consistent. And I, and I had issues in the beginning, just like anybody does. And it wasn't until... You know, I was I, I would start, you know, for 30 days and, and and get back to zero. And I would start for try to get 20, you know, 21 and get back to zero. Like I, I was inconsistent, you know, but some at the at the uh, at the top of February or the end of February of this year, I just I was already on the street and COVID hit and I just kept going. So. Mm. As one one of the positive things that COVID, you know, um, helped me was to increase my discipline as on this uh, meditation journey. So now, I think I'm at like 226 days. Hot damn, son! Straight. That's the hell. You record. know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I'm on a roll right now. So I'm on. A, so my goal is 365. So I'm being, you know, I'm being patient. I got a, I got a little ways to go. I'm more than halfway there. So. You know, I'm um, I'm pacing myself, but at the same time, it's I've seen the benefits that it's having in my life. Um, just finding that balance, you know, um, and one of the things that I want to do is just continue to introduce people to understand, like, man, listen, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be in a box, and don't have to put lines around it. Like, you can do this, you know, however it works for you. And I want to, you know, share pe- share my story with people just so they can be comfortable. And their um, their process of it as well. All right, I'm going to take another second to pause and just let you guys know that because that sounded so unnatural is because I was reading it off and I did that to benefit you guys and the listening because the audio for my part for some reason went out during that time. Uh, really appreciate your patience and understanding. I really hope you still got the value. Out of that, from here on out, our audio goes back to normal, and it's the actual conversation I had with Brandon. Um, once again, thanks for understanding and thanks for continuing to listen. Uh, I hope you got a lot of value out of this podcast, and it continues on now. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that because you know people have these different ideas of meditation, and there's a lot of different ways to meditate. Meditation has had a mm-hmm. huge impact on my life, and it's changed my my life in so many ways, and. And just being able to create space from my thoughts. Talk about your daily practice, like what kind of meditation you use, mm-hmm. and what. Let's say you know, maybe explain it for someone that's never meditated before, and like 
how you would approach it? Because I know a lot of people have a lot of resistance, especially early on, like sitting in silence, especially in our fast paced world. We're always feeling like there's so much to do and our minds are racing. So talk Mm -hmm. about what meditation is to you and maybe explain it to someone who's never done it and then you know how they can be patient. And it's really all about consistency and the long-term practice and then what kind of benefits that does provide uh, to you. Yeah. So um, for me right now, I, I got my routine is um, I get up and do it in the morning. It started with just five minutes. You know, I didn't have the patience to, to sit more with myself in silence for more than five minutes, but um, I actually heard, um, I actually heard a guy named uh, a yoga instructor, not yoga instructor, but a meditation instructor um, by the name of David G. He, he said, he said, listen, for those people who complain about, um, for those people who complain about sitting with themselves for five minutes, if you don't want to spend five minutes with yourself, what makes you think somebody else wants to spend five minutes with you? Mm, and so I, was like, I was like, I was like, oof. You know, that make you just say, all right, got to look in the mirror one quick second. Yeah. Like, all right, bro, come on, let me get to know you a little bit. So meditation is spending time with myself for me and and taking that time to just be present in the moment. Be be present. Like you said, we have so much things outside that we're trying to get to, that we're trying to get accomplished. And that's all good and dandy. But we need to take time to be where our feet are at least five minutes a day, like take that time to just breathe, take that time to just be aware of your surroundings. So much we're just going, 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 and that we're we're not slowing down. Um, We had slowing down how we actually seeing things and that if we practice that and then that'll help you in making better decisions in the long run because you're taking the time to actually analyze what's going on. So for me, um, the type of meditation that I like, I like doing is just, you know, I like guided meditations a lot because that's something that I'm going to start getting into. And that's another reason why, you know, I've, I've been on this path and I've, you know, I've invested in this microphone and, and things like that. So I like guided meditation. Then I like the balance of just sitting in silence, listening to, um, it could be, you know, a singing bowl or it could be, you know, someone um, chanting or it could be, you know, some uh, binary music playing in the background. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't want to put myself in a box that I'm only just going to do just this one. I want to explore different things and find out what works for me. And then as I do that and continue to flow, whichever works for me. So, you know, now I've increased um, my I've increased my muscle capacity to to meditate from like five minutes to like 25 minutes. Mm. So I can, I can lock in. And for me, it's just really about locking into that moment and closing my eyes. And, and I've, I've heard it mentioned like, okay, just don't try to quiet out the thoughts. You're forcing, you're going to be thinking too much, trying to think, trying not to think about the thoughts that are already going to happen. We got 60,000, 80,000 thoughts a day. So you're not going to just shut all that out. And so the best way I look at it is, you know, if you just picture yourself, you know, and and like on the beach somewhere and just for example, and look into the sky, look at the clouds. The clouds are just casually passing by with the wind. So think of those clouds passing by as your thoughts and to just allow those, see those thoughts, recognize 
see them for what they are. Oh, that's a nice cloud right there. I don't really like the shape of that cloud. No, nah, just, and just watch them go by. Just keep breathing and watch them go by. And then next thing you know, five minutes is up. Mm. And now you're done for the day. That's beautiful. You know, so it's just, it, you know, it's just me just taking, trying to figure out how can I best um, make this work for me. And then now that I feel, now that I've realized that I can make this work for me and just being able to communicate to other people and make them feel comfortable doing the same thing. So allowing them to see, you know, like I said, see what I see and then get them eventually to see for themselves and lock into that, um, into that silence. Mm, that's beautiful, man. That's a great analogy because what that does is that creates space between you and your thoughts. Because a lot of people, mm-hmm. they don't have that space. They think a thought comes, they attach to it, you know, whether they get angry because somebody cut them off on the road. And it, when you meditate, it gives you space in everyday life to realize, okay, that thought comes up, but I don't have to attach to it. I have a choice here to react or to just let it pass on by. So talk about meditation as far as the tool, you talked about it, you know, the practice and sitting in it and and how to, but how does that transfer into your everyday life? And, you know, we talked about taking care of your physical body, but these kind of practices, talk about how they can help, you know, in profound ways with not only your mental health, but your emotional health as well. I think the balance for me is is critical. Um I think the practice, I've noticed a lot of differences in my day-to-day conversations. I noticed, you know, if if I'm in traffic and I'm in a I'm really pressed for time, I'm trying to make it to this this meeting or something like that, just for an example. And just being in this meditative space, now I don't have to like all right, be in my apartment on the mat just to be in that space. I can just go into that space while I'm in the car. And and not necessarily close my eyes, but be in the moment, right? I believe that um, everything happens for a reason. So even traffic, you're in traffic for a reason. You know, it might not be something that you agree with, but it's not. You can't really do anything about it, but you can. Um, but you can have you know affect your mind, like you the way you receive or perceive this 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 moment right now, like. I'm not going to allow this to ruin the rest of my day because I have no control over it. You know, I'll just take a couple deep breaths. And and next thing you know, like I'm turning, I'm, I'm listening to the music now and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not tripping about um, the fact that I'm in traffic. Like it's, I'm not, I'm not easily, you know, agitated. I don't get, um, nothing gets really under my skin that easily because I feel like I've been in this space now where I'm okay with it. Right. And it takes a lot to be in that position where you're at peace, you know, on a daily, on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's what, for me, it helps, you know, just finding that inner peace and connecting to that inner peace. And that inner peace is with inside each of us. And there's a power with that and when you realize you can tap into that power and and start to harness that power, so that's what meditation is for me. Me uh, getting to know my higher self and attaching um, and connecting to that higher power of my higher self, and knowing that man, I don't have to operate, you know, in this in this space, you know, the, the way society says I'm stronger than this, and this is you know, it starts from within. It starts from my mind. It starts from how I decide to react to a situation that I 
just happened to encounter, right? So those situations like that are revealing themselves to me on a day-to-day basis. So when things come up, when um, unforeseen circumstances happen, you know, like they do in business all the time, Mm -hmm. I I learned to process it. I learned to process those events differently because I have a lot of practice and a lot of discipline that, okay, that's what the situation is, but this is, I'm not going to allow that to um, affect me because I know the work that I've put in for myself that this is not, um, this is beneath that. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, uh, it allows you to not be a victim to your circumstances. Right. And that is real Mm -hmm. power where you can really sit and control your emotions and your mental state in any given moment, no matter how hard the situation might be, you have control over how you react to it. And, you know, I just want to remind people that's, you know, that's why meditation is is called a meditation practice. It's not something that you meditate for five years, you become enlightened, and then all of a sudden you can stop meditating. And, and it's, it's really wild how yeah. the mind can so easily creep back in if we're not showing up and creating that space for ourselves every single day. Um, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that, man. Um, talk about, you, you said before the show started that you were taking a social media fast. I think, you know, that's such a big part of our world, especially as content creators like us, knowing we have so much value mm-hmm. to add, creating community and really trying to share these positive messages with people. But, you know, as a content creator, it's still, it's, we still get lost in the noise of social media and how easily we can get sucked in the rabbit hole is what I like to call it. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. so talk about your journey through taking some space from that. What's that, what kind of impact that's had on your life and, and how you're going to move forward, finding that balance with those tools that we have. Yeah. So for me, after the season, um, well, not after the season, at the beginning of this year, I was, you know, my plan for social media before COVID hit, I said, all right, you're going to, you're going to do all these different, um, modeling gigs. You know, so that's going to be your content for real. You don't have to go do a lot of, you know, on your own. So when everything got shut down and I couldn't go to these different gigs, I was like, dang, now you got to actually go create your own content to stay in order to stay relevant until you figure out what's next. Um, so then I, I said, OK, I'm, I'm going to go live on Instagram once a week. I've never been live before. I said, like I said, I'm an introvert. I really, that really wasn't my thing. Um, and then I'm just like, all right, we're just going to jump out there. I, of course, it's uncomfortable. But I looked back and I went 23 weeks then went by and I only missed one week. And so I was like, wow. But then I started to feel burnt out from trying to keep up with the the process and, and every week. And, and it was just a lot. And I was like, you know what? Don't need to. But I don't need to force myself to do this. Like, it's okay if you feel like I had to recognize that feeling before it actually got there and things got, you know, worse. So, you know, I, I give myself credit for, for for doing that. And then also being intentional about taking the time off for myself and and knowing that, okay, this is this is what we're gonna do in this time off. You're gonna take this time to clear your space. It was so much negative energy that social media um was feeding on my timeline. You know, it's just been a crazy year. So it was it was just wasn't serving me. You know, sometimes you say like like we said, we gotta we gotta let go of things that aren't serving us. And yeah, as a content creator, we need the platforms like social media, but 
I just had to weigh that out. Like, man, this really isn't serving me right now. And it's, I need to continue to work on myself mentally. And in order for me to do that, I need to remove this negative energy that's, um, that's consuming my time every day. Like, you know, we just pick up the phone and start scrolling out of habit. I said, bro, you need to break that habit. So at least for 30 days, at least um, you're just going, you're just going not be on social media, you know? So I didn't delete the app. I just removed it from um, the screen that it was already on where my thumbs are used to going. So I just, like I said, we're creatures of habit. So my thumbs were used to going to this certain spot on my phone where the app was already at. So I just moved it all the way to the back on the last page. So if I, like now it's, I'm going to be reaching for it and I'm like, all right, we're not doing that. And Isn't so, that fascinating how that or, or, or naturally just goes straight to it? And you, by moving it's it, it's a great tool because by moving it, you even, even if you don't decide to, to take space away from Instagram, if you just move all your apps around a little bit, you'll realize yeah. how just naturally habitual you just reach for that stuff constantly. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't do anything extreme. I just moved it to the last page and I was like, yeah, you know what? I didn't look at it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And and I felt it felt good. I remember the first day I was like, wow. All right, here we go. And I just had so much more time and I was just feeling more productive. I was feeling, you know, free. I was feeling like I was getting more things done um that I wanted to do and then I also was intentional about um uh, changing my brand. I was like, well, during this time, I want to be intentional about what direction I want to go forward when I do return and when I do make that comeback. Because eventually I will come back and it was just, you know, how do I want to go about that? What direction, what lane do I want to be in? And, and just be like, I was feeling like before I was just all over the place. I really didn't have um, a lane. But now after I've taken some time, I'm like, okay, this is the direction I want to go in. Um, more in this wellness industry. And, and I feel like for me, my, myself, my brand, you know, like I said, before the call, you know, football, my name is, you know, has been attached with B. Cole, B. Cole. And I'm just like, you know what? That was, that was, that was for football. That was for that part of your life. You're transcending to a new level and it's time for you to, to level, you know, for your name to, to match that. And so now I'm going um, by soul cold, mind, body, soul cold. And that's kind of like what I feel is the foundation of my new brand and what I, the energy I want to project to, you know, the people that are listening to me on this platform and every platform that I have the opportunity to speak on is just letting them know like they, to connect to that mind, body, and soul that they have inside of them and to understand the power within and and just moving forward and flowing um, through life. God, that's beautiful, man. And uh, I really appreciate that. So many people are going to learn so much from you bringing that kind of work to the world. And, you know, that is that is something from moving from the identity of a football player. It's really good to work towards creating a new story and that it takes that at times and showing up and doing the work you're doing, man, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I want to kind of ask you, um, you know, moving forward, like what's your, what's your vision for the future, both uh, for yourself individually? Like, what do you want to create? What's, what's the big vision? What's your dream? And, um, you know, both individually and collectively, what would you like to see in the world and um, see how it can change and, and the impact that you can have uh, in that process? 
I think big picture um, for the world, what I really want to see is, I really want to see love, man. I, mm. Like, I really, at the core of it, I just want to see love. I want to see love in every way, shape, and form. Like, it's, it, love is, is, it can be complicated, but at the end, it's really simple. It can be, it's one of the things that can be complicated, but it's really simple. And it's really showing love, and I want to lead with love. Like, that's a part of, this journey for me. Like I want to be a love agent, if you will. Like I want to lead with love and everything that I do, the energy that I project. And I want people to receive love. And then once that starts to become a thing, man, you know, you and I showing love to each other when we see each other, or even if it's just on the podcast, that is contagious. You know, love is contagious. Energy is contagious. So I want to see that love become contagious within the world. And for me on, you know, for the personal level, one of the things that, you know, that I plan to do is that I'm going to do is, is become a master of myself and, and disciplining myself to understand, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my limitations? And understanding, okay, how can we work around this to continue to um, get better each and every day, continue to um, become the highest manifestation that I was created to be each and every day? And and I'm just continue to challenge myself to continue to um, improve how I serve, to continue to improve how I live, to continue to improve how I relate and to others. And then I think at the end of the day that that will leave me somewhere um, where I can be proud of and the legacy that I've left. God, that's beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, such a good vision. Um, you know, I say all the time, you know, the way we change the world is by changing ourselves. The way we love the world is by loving ourselves. So I definitely resonate with that big time. Um, As we come to a close, man, I just, you know, coming back to the transition and your your story, um, finding peace within yourself, um, you know, any last words or advice for other athletes who might be going through a tough time in their transition, um, even if it's not from professional level, but, you know, the the game comes to an end for all of us. And so any advice... Mm -hmm to leave um, those people with? Yeah, I'm going to keep it real simple, man. Love is a flow. And I got to say that I know it's been a while, but don't forget to let your soul smile. Mm. And to me, that that to me, that's something that hits home because we spend so much time on the surface level trying to smile for other people. But on the intern, on the inside, we don't have that same smile. We don't have that same passion. We don't have that same energy. So I want to leave you with that. Just, I know it's been a while, but don't forget to let your soul smile. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. It's beautiful. Did I hear you say earlier that you were going to plan on and on creating your own guided meditations? Is that why you got the mic? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's something that I've been working on. Guided meditations, affirmations, chanting. Like I, I'm going to get into all that, and I'm I've started doing that in my in my my home studio, but you know I haven't. You know, released anything yet, but in due time. When can we be expecting that? Because I'm really looking forward to it. Man, um, I don't want to give a timeline on it okay. because I don't want to. I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush the process. I'm I'm still in the lab trying to to master my different range and the different tones. But um, definitely soon, man. I'm definitely gonna keep y'all posted on that. So definitely stay tuned. Love it, man. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so moving forward, how can people find you and stay connected or reach out and become a part of your community and what you're doing? 
yeah, moving forward, man, I'm I'm in the process of changing all my um my platforms and handles and everything now, but I'm building out different everything. Like I said, doing this rebrand. So um the Instagram, I'm trying to change that, which is a process since you're verified. But, you know, ideally if I wanted to be at Soul Cold World and then the website would be soulcold.world. Once I, I realized that you don't need a .com or a .org, but that when they had a .world, I was like, well, we're just going to .world." So that's uh that's where you're going to be able to find me in the, in the near future. And I'll have all my stuff up there. Same, same thing on YouTube, um, Soul Cold World. And I will have everything try to be in, in one, um, under one uh, umbrella. So it'll make it easier for everybody to follow what I'm doing. Cool. And I'll be sure to plug all that into the show notes. Uh, and by the time this podcast is released, I'm sure it'll all be up and, and you can let me know um, all the details of it, man. And if there's anything Perfect. I can do to be of service to you on this journey, man, we're so aligned on trying to make the world a better place. And I really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story with me. And um, if there's anything I can do to be a support of you moving, moving forward, man, just don't hesitate to reach out. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I thank you, man, for having me on the show, man. And I want to um, thank all the listeners. And um, I'll definitely continue to uh, link up with you. Appreciate it, brother. All right, man. Take care. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with my soul brother, Soul Cole. What an amazing conversation. I really got a lot out of that. I hope you guys did too. Um, if you guys are anyone listening, a former professional athlete and feels like you have a lot to offer this world, you want to get involved in entrepreneurship, um, or you just want to feel supported, you want to be a part of a community feel like a locker room something you used to be a part of. Uh, I want to surround yourself with like-minded men who are trying to better themselves. Then you would be a perfect fit for the Heart Collective, an exclusive community for former male professional athletes. Uh, I started this community so that it could provide space, a safe container for us to, as men who are going through similar experiences, can help support one another on this journey through the transition out of sports and how we can reach our highest potential in life. If you're interested in joining, go to theheartcollective.com. That's the heart, H-A-R-T, collective.com. Applications are now open.